Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 436 for the 10th of Shvat in a regular year. We all like to think of ourselves as sane, rational people, and most likely in this day and age, not idolaters, right? Like how many of you would consider yourself to be an idolater? I'm, I'm guessing not that many of you, especially if you're here and you're listening to this podcast about Latanya, about Judaism, and all of that. But what if I were to tell you that the mere fact of human existence has within it a sort of built-in mechanism that makes us a little bit insane, that gives us the tendency to actually be idol worshipers. What do I mean by this? Well, let's start with the definition of insanity. What is, uh, how would we define insanity? People often say insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Honestly, I don't know where this quote comes from. I, it's, it doesn't really make much sense to me. I think a much better definition of insanity is doing something and behaving in such a way that goes so totally counter to reality, kind of living in this like delusional state. And so once you start learning Hasidus and things like that, you start to really understand reality for what it is. And you start to see the deeper and understand the deeper underpinnings of reality and what reality is all about. And that the way that we sort of are accustomed to see reality and ourselves even is not necessarily the truth at first glance. And sometimes we have to dig a little bit deeper in, in order to see that true reality. So what do I mean by that? Well, the biggest culprit in this scenario is what we commonly understand to be in kind of modern day vernacular as the ego. Uh, in Chassidus, we've talked about this in terms of being the Nefesh Bahamas, but it's a much broader kind of um, area of this. This is basically what, what encompasses this level of delusion is pretty much anything that believes or feels itself to be a substantial existence apart from God. Because as we know, as we've been studying so far in the Tanya, uh, the only true reality is God. Everything stems from God. Everything is, you know, sure, God, you know, created this world in such a way that we perceive ourselves to be apart from him. But the true reality from God's perspective is that nothing is really apart from him. God creates the world through speech. And we we discussed how the speech of God is really can be more likened to our inner um, self, like the our, our, our pre-verbal state, like the way that our speech is before we actually speak or even think the words into, uh, into manifestation. That's really how God creates the world. So when we have this in mind, this gives us a much broader definition of idolatry, where no longer is idolatry all about denying God's existence or maybe even worshiping another like 
god so to speak like a deity that maybe like a little like a statue that you have in your home or something like that but it's really any time that a person has a certain has a consciousness has a sense that they have an independent existence apart from god that their life and existence is not totally and a hundred percent dependent upon and attached to God at every single moment, which is why we find that the Gemara and Masechet Sota actually likens arrogance to idolatry. Because when a person is feeling arrogance, this is like the epitome of like, you know, denying, like saying that, that you are so great, you are so smart, you are so beautiful, whatever it is. It's like giving yourself the credit for something that actually has absolutely nothing to do with you. It's all coming from God, all of our gifts, all of our achievements, all of our accomplishments are really just manifestations of God. And we are the channels that bring these things about. So let's, I think this is going to get a lot clearer once we get into the text. So let's see how the altar ever explains all of this. And for context, we're going to be learning the second half of chapter 22 in Likutei Amar. So the altar begins this section by explaining to us that the source of the vitality of all the worlds is God's supernal will, right? So that makes sense, right? That God wills the world uh, into existence. That's that's sort of like the origin of, of the creation of all the worlds. And it's specifically in the aspect of God's will that is the front part of God's will, the panim in Hebrew is called. And we've mentioned that this word panim is really interesting because on the one hand, it means face. It also alludes to the idea of the front, and it also has a similar etymology to the idea of inside, bifnim. So in Hebrew, those of you that know modern Hebrew, panim, face, lifnim is in front of, and bifnim is inside, are all related etymologically. And so that's the idea. It's like, it's sort of like when you're looking at somebody face to face, you're like looking at them in an internal way. You're having this like inner connection to them. Um, and so since this is how God creates the world is in this like very personal, for personable kind of way, like in the, the face of his supernal world, then what about those things that are against God, God's will? What about those things that are in the realm of what we call the Sitra Ahra, aka the other side, those things that specifically conceal God? So in that case, even though, yes, you know, even these things are coming ultimately from God's will and even coming from God's internal will, his, uh, his face-to-face will, it's not manifest as such. So we, so in this case, so with those kind of things, we, the way that the, the Tanya terms it is it says that God's will does not dwell on the Sitra in this kind of internal face-to-face manner. Uh, and even when it comes to the back side of the supernal will, the Ahoraim, as we call it in Hebrew, that even in that case, then God's, well, the backside of God's will, we don't say that it's enclosed within these forces of the Sitra Ahra, but rather it just hovers above it from above. So it's like, it's, it's kind of like a little one step removed from these things. So it's there for sure, you know, but it's, but it's like one step removed. And this is why when we talk about the Sitra Ahra, when we talk about this other side, we kind of make, say that this is the space of death and of, um, and of impurity. God should uh, save us from these things. So, 
there's sort of this understanding here that when we talk about God and a direct manifestation of God's light and energy, we kind of make say that this is synonymous with life versus what is death. Death is the opposite of life. Death, death is the opposite of this uh, revelation of God, of godliness and God's will in a direct manner. So nevertheless, since everything comes from God, right? So there's nothing that can that's actually devoid of God. Then these things, these these this other side, these things that conceal God, they obviously still are receiving their vitality from the holiness above, but they're receiving their vitality by in a backhanded manner in the way of Echolaim. And thus, because they're receiving their, and, and they're suckling their vitality in this backhanded manner, because again, it's like they cannot get any kind of sustenance of their own. They have to get it from God. Everything is sustained by God. But thus, because they're getting it in this backhanded manner, then the aspect of godliness that's found within them, because it must be found within them in order to keep them alive, is in an aspect of galus. It's in an aspect of exile. And this is what we term the galus hashchina that we talked about above, the, the exile of the shchina, of, the, of the, the divine dwelling. And this is why, now we can understand why it is that these klipos, these, these negative forces, what do we call them? Like another way that we refer to these things is elokim achrim, other gods. So it's this idea of other, and again, this word achrim is really interesting because achrim, uh, which means other, also comes from the same etymology as achoraim, which is backside. So it's the backside is also achir, it's also different. And this is actual avodazara, this is actual idolatry. And this is a um, this is a denial of the unity of God, the unity of, of the one God. Um, so like this exiled state, this exiled state of the, of the, um, of the Shrina, you know, and of the godliness that's found within these things, it creates this kind of like warped perception that these things, these beings are not null totally nullified to the holiness of God because it's like they're, they're not experiencing God in this direct way. They're experiencing God in this indirect way. So thus this makes them, this makes it so that they are not totally nullified to him and they can actually, they, um, they become arrogant. They like the, the, the imagery the Altarba uses is that they're like an, an eagle who, and he brings a few citations from this from Yishayahu and from Zephania uh, um, and also from Mechazkel. So it's a, a bunch of different verses that the Altarba kind of compiles into one where it says, There's nothing beside me or The river is mine and I have made myself. So there's this idea like Pharaoh in Egypt uh, is he had this delusion that he would tell people about that he believes that he um that the that the nile was there just for him he you know worshiped the nile and he believes that he created himself so it's like this ultimate arrogance it's like when people say like you know where did you come from and instead of saying that they came from a higher creator there's this like sense uh and really a delusion that they came from themselves that they created themselves which really doesn't make any sense if you think about it right everything has to have an original uh source to it um so now we can understand why this connection that the that the sages made and this is taught in the gemara Masachat Sota, on page 4b and i alluded it to it in the introduction that 
arrogance is likened to idolatry because we see that they're really like rooted in the same place because the root of idolatry, where does idolatry come from? How is it that somebody could come to the place of worshiping something other than God? It's from this space of believing that something has an existence other than God that, that is, uh, that is, um, that is separate from God. So it's not saying that God doesn't exist, right? So it's like these things, again, these klipos, these sitra, this other sideness stuff, uh, they, you know, they may very well acknowledge God's existence. And in fact, if they're honest, they have to because they recognize that really, truly their existence and nourishment has to come from God. But it comes from God in this very backhanded kind of way to such a point that they actually, while they may believe in God, they also believe in themselves. They believe that there is this other existence other than God. And so thus, for these forces, for these negative forces, how do they refer to God? So the Gemara says, and this is from Menachos, page 110a, that's in the Gemara, they refer to God as being the Eloka de Lokaya, the God of all gods. So it's like they see God as like the supreme God, but, you know, there's other forces at play also. So um, it's kind of like a little tangent here, but what this makes me think about is recently I was actually talking to somebody who was asking me about the, like asked me, called me to ask for advice actually. And was asking about this idea of like, you know, if, um, how could it be if God is all good? The famous question, how could it be if God is all good? Why do, uh, bad things, why do people do bad things to other people? Why, why does God let this happen? Uh, you know, why does God let one person cheat another person, steal from another person, murder another person, that kind of stuff. And this person said that they actually asked a rabbi about this and the rabbi, uh, believe it or not said to them well you're giving too much power to god and really it's there's a god but then there's these people that also have power and i said to this person on the phone i said that is blasphemous that is i don't know who this rabbi is but that is the total antithesis of everything that torah judaism especially chassidus especially you know the tanya stands for we absolutely do not believe that a person god forbid has any power apart from god so when a person is and we've spoken about this in a previous episode when a person cheats another person or steals from another person or murders another person. Yes, sure, they're held, held accountable for the intention behind their actions because, you know, we all do have to be held accountable for what it is that we do. But the actual power to bring that action about, to actually make the stealing happen, to make the... Um, the cheating happen, whatever that is. And somehow it's orchestrated that this cheating or stealing should happen to the victim, you know, the victim in it, like what, what it's happening to them. That's all orchestrated by God. So it's not only that God is like the ultimate power, but God is the sole power. God is the only power. And to, to not recognize that, to say God is the ultimate power, but yet we have these other powers too. That's total idolatry is what the altar is saying. So now we can understand that arrogance, you know, which truly is ascribing any power to yourself is really a form of arrogance. This is really rooted in idolatry. Um, because through seeing yourself as being a yesh, as a somethingness, like something separate from God, a, somebody doing this actually separates themselves from the holiness of God because they're not totally nullified to God because uh, holiness can only dwell on something which is totally nullified to it. So this is why the Zohar refers to the Klippos as being the peaks of separation. And so this, so now we can understand that this idea of recognizing that there's something of, of, of thinking, having a delusion, that there's something that exists that's apart from God, um, is a total, is actually, a. A, a, a denial of God's true unity because the, the true reality is that there is nothing apart from God. And, um, 
everything is nullified to God. And God is constantly vivifying and bringing into existence something for nothing, everything in the world perpetually. And there can be nothing else and nothing else can have any kind of existence or sustainability apart from God. So that's the end of the section. And so just to kind of, you know, bring it together, this is a really fundamental principle that is uh, really difficult to grasp. And it's something that we kind of need to constantly work on is to it's, it's difficult because it's like God created us in such a way that we feel ourselves to be separate entities from, from him. Like it's built into Judaism. Like we pray to God. So there is a me that prays to God, right? Um, I wake up in the morning. I have my own thoughts. I have my own speech. I have my own, you know, actions that I do. So while it's, this is true, these, this is our perception of like this ownership of over our lives that we have, it's ultimately we're nothing except for God because God is ultimately the source of our entire existence. So anytime we like, I guess a, a practical way that we can really apply this to is that if you, um, this came up in a, in another share that I listened to recently, actually it was an example that was given is let's say if you run a business, like I run a business, right? So, um, if you are trying to get a really good client and you work really hard to get that client and then eventually you get the client, you sign the contract, it's easy. It's natural for us to pat ourselves on the back and to say, oh, yay, you know, I did such really good work. I got that client. I did. I got that client because of my superior sales skills and my business skills and all of that stuff. And that's absolutely not true. You got that client because God wanted you to get that client. Sure, we want to work on ourselves. We want to refine ourselves. We want to do our what's called, known in Hebrew as our hishtadlus. But the the trick of reality is to really constantly live in this place of paradox that while we put in our full effort and we really do want to be the best, you know, salespeople that we can be, the best business people we can be, the best um, parents we can be, the best friends we can be, all all of this stuff. Like we're our, the work of our lives is to refine ourselves. The result of those actions and who we ultimately are and who we ultimately manifest, really ultimately the uh, the our whole entire existence is nothing but God. It's all dependent upon God. So if we feel a sense of arrogance, if we feel at any moment like a sense of ownership over any of our accomplishments. This is a really intense idea, but really feeling a sense of ownership over our accomplishments is a form of arrogance, feeling that we are separate from God, feeling that we did this, God did not do this, this was us. That is on a small scale, maybe not even such a small scale, a form of idolatry. It's rooted in the same place as idolatry because idolatry isn't saying that God doesn't exist. Idolatry is saying that God exists, but there's another power. There's another power in the world also. Another topic that comes to mind for me for this is the idea of codependency and codependency. What is codependency? Codependency. I mean, it, it's a huge topic. The truth is, but one aspect of codependency is ha having a delusion that you you can control another person. So you can, um, like a codependent person has on a conscious level or a subconscious level, like will be the type of person who's like a people pleaser, you know, who, uh, might bend over backwards to do things in order to get some another, the other, 
other person to like them, to control them, to manipulate them into doing things that, that, that you want them to do. And the truth is this is a delusion because there's absolutely nothing that you can do to make another person like you, to make another person accept you, to make another person be nice to you. Um, to think that you can do this, to think that you have such control over another person is very arrogant. And it's in fact, once again, rooted, rooted because where is arrogance rooted in? In idolatry. So it's an intense message, um, but it really is, if we tap into this message in a real way, it's kind of the secret to life. It's kind of the secret to happiness and to living our fullest lives and to be living truly in reality because in reality, and it, it's, it's very liberating too, because once you recognize that you actually don't have control over anything and while yes of course we have to take responsibility for our uh be for our behaviors and for our intentions behind our behaviors that's not a contradiction to the fact that ultimately at the end of the day the results of our actions the results of our thoughts the results of uh of other people's actions are not from them they, it's all coming from god everything comes from god we come from god so that's the end of the section for today and uh we'll continue along these lines tomorrow when we begin a new chapter chapter 23 and i'll speak to you then thanks for listening to the it is top podcast hosted by sarit switzer this podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather abraham yitzhak ben benyamin cohen of blessed memory music by shoshana if you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show Please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.